0: Hello everyone, my name is Robert Winfrey, and what you're about to hear is the first in a series of re-airings of an old podcast I used to host called Everyone Loves a Bad Guy. You will occasionally hear it referred to as Everyone Loves a Villain as we do some of the earliest re-airings. I wasn't sure which way I wanted to go with the name, but Everyone Loves a Bad Guy just sounds better, so that's ultimately what we went with. This was a show I hosted from 2013 to 2015, every week more or less, on Fridays. And covered a huge variety of topics. it allowed me to have a wide variety of conversations with some of my friends and acquaintances uh, Just a lot of stuff was covered, not just movies and television, which are the obvious ones. Long series on comic villains so that was very educational for me. I'm not a huge reader of comics uh certain actors got various got profiles actors tried a particular were known for a particularly villainous bent uh genres of categories of specific uh, of characters unique to the slasher genre occasional whole franchises were discussed instead of just individual movies individual characters with multiple representations and iterations of them Dracula as being a very very easy example to point to I took a long journey through the wide wacky wonderful world of professional wrestling through the ages that was a lot of fun even took a promote an entire like field of employment to task when we talked about promoters at one point So a lot of stuff was discussed and it ended in 2015 I did a special one of in 2016 for Halloween when I got together with Benjamin J. Cologne, and We discussed the Simpsons treehouse of horror because I had not covered it to that point and I as well as Ben are huge fans of the Simpsons so that was the last episode that was aired and I Very much enjoyed hosting this particular show. I occasionally debate reviving it in some capacity That's largely going to be up to you all. I suppose if these do very very well We can I'm not opposed to bringing it back on a monthly rather than weekly basis But that's something to think about this episode in particular uh, Was part one of my look at Disney villains there were three parts to this unofficially there was part one that was the Disney Golden Age Part 2, the renaissance through contemporary stuff, this would have been, again, about 2013, so the release of Frozen, and then one on Pixar. Uh, These were not my, this was not my first episode. Uh, These shows will not be airing in their original broadcast order, like syndicated source material. These will be released uh, commensurate with Mark's synergistic weeks of theme content. And since Cruella is now currently out into the world, We present to you part one of Disney of Disney villains. This is myself and Mark. Uh, We have a again I've re-listened to this, so we have a pretty good discussion. I hope you all enjoy it. You will get a minor intro uh, like this from me for each of these going forward. Uh, Just kind of my thoughts on the overall show, uh, and so on and so forth. It also gives me an opportunity to pay a few of the bills around here. So if you'll bear with me. There are a couple of sponsors for everything we do here on the W2M Network. First of all, if you like, uh, we're talking Disney here. Disney Villains. And Disney Villains songs are iconic. They are, some of them are just the creme de la creme. They are the best. They are catchy. They are some just truly amazing stuff. And if you want to hear them, Amazon Music is a good place to find all of your music. You'll find a link to that in the description Uh, It is getamazonmusic.com slash w2mnetwork. It is a free 30-day trial. There is nothing to lose by clicking on that link, letting them know we sent you. Enjoy your 30 days of music. Find whatever you like. Rock out and enjoy. Our other host is Grammarly. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. We can all use help there. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere you you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes, while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. So go to getgrammarlycom w 2 network, and that will give you a free download. Is, There's is also a link to that in the description below. So if you would consider that, Grammarly is a great product. Everyone could use help on could use help with writing, punctuation. We all screw up. We all end sentences incorrectly at times and style improvements are a big help to all of us. We all you don't want to get stuck in a particular writing style too often. It's uh, it's just not a great thing for anyone who writes. With that, thank you all. Hope uh hope you enjoy the show and enjoy episode what was originally episode 26 of Everyone Loves a Bad Guy, Disney Villains Part 1. <laughs> for my special touch. To the gentleman, I'm
1: misfortune. To the ladies, I'm surprised. But call me by any name, anyway it's all the same. I'm
0: the fly in your suit. I'm the This is up to me. I do it all because I'm evil, and I do it all for free. Your tears are all the pay I'll ever
1: need.
0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Everyone Loves a Bad Guy. I am your host, Mr. Robert Winfrey, happy holidays to all. Whatever celebratory season you find this to be, there's a lot of them. And if you don't celebrate anything, then I hope you don't die on Snowy Road. Uh, Before we get going tonight, sad news broke recently. I am assuming that Dana White got it right this time and that Nelson Mandela actually did die. MMA fans Ah. will get that joke. MMA MMA fans will get that joke. Everyone else what, no. uh Nelson Mandela has reportedly passed away, uh lived to an old age. Yeah, I don't know how old the guy was specifically, but uh that kind of sucks. Civil rights leader, big, you know, uh, big deal in Africa, you know, just a great human being and uh, you'll be missed, sir. So, uh you know, via con dios and all that stuff. Uh tonight, we are here talking about bad guys that have shaped generations, and I kid not when I say that. I exaggerate very little. Ladies and gentlemen, when I say that, we're starting a multi-part arc where we talk about Disney villains here on everyone loves a bad guy. these are the characters that we all got introduced to when you're a kid and you see Disney and there's the bad guy yeah that's the bad guy I know that's the bad guy and they have they shape what we how we view life how we view bad guys all that fun stuff and since it's the holiday season and Frozen just came out and partially because I just want because I like Disney villains we're starting that tonight and it's going to go at least three shows uh maybe more depending on timing and how things work out and whatnot that's just kind of the way that is but i have my guest for at least the first two the third we're still kind of shuffling things around possibly but uh Long-time friend of this show and the man whose network we're on, Mark Radlich, is here to talk Disney bad guys with us. Mark, thanks for coming back. I'm glad you could make it.
1: Uh, I always enjoy being on your show. And I tell you, um, I listen to all the ones you do, even the ones where I have no idea what you're all talking about. And I have to say, when you came to me uh, a couple of months back and you said, hey, I want to do a podcast. Do you mind if I piggyback on yours? And I said, no, absolutely. That's fine. It's not like I'm using it uh, seven days a week. Uh, I never thought that um and it's not and that's only because I didn't know how you know how you'd be at this. Uh I never thought it would be as good as it's become and it's truly a pleasure to listen to. So uh it's even better when I'm on it. <laughs> so uh no but seriously. No uh, you're awesome. <laughs> you're awesome. I always enjoy your show and I enjoy coming on and to talk about topics that uh, I'm passionate about.
0: Well, thank you. And uh let me just I you know, I tend to listen to almost everything on the network and your you got you and uh, Pat and I think it was Gavin Napier who you had on yesterday talking about, you know, defending the Ultimate Warrior was very enjoyable. Apart from the Warrior promo mashup to start things, that just made. Money.
1: I don't know what country you were born in, but clearly it wasn't America.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I defended your pick as well. I understood why you went with him, but uh, <laughs> you know, we're talking Disney bad guys, and for the first part of this, we are going with I, bl- I kind of refer to it as the Golden Era, even though it includes the Dark Ages, if you're a fan of Disney animation. There's the time when the studio was going through some tough times, and the quality suffered, and everything else. But we're going uh, from Snow White, if you are looking at the chronology of this, it's starting with Snow White through... Oliver and Company is the last one before Little Mermaid, which starts the Disney Renaissance, which we'll get into next. But Disney movies, you know, you show your kids Disney movies, and so the bad guys and the villains from those movies have a hugely formative impact on how you view the world. And one of the reasons I really wanted you on for this, Mark, is unlike anyone else that is in kind of my immediate circle of people who have been on or who I think about bringing on this show, you're actually a parent. And and I'm glad you mentioned that. That's invaluable for this discussion. Yeah, I want to,
1: look, I want to go and say this right off the bat. If you're listening to this show and you're like, the last thing I want to hear about is Mark and his stupid kid, this isn't the show for you. Um, Because the first, like, five or six movies we're going to talk about on here are all movies that I've watched with my daughter. And some of them I have watched at least 42 billion times. I mean, including their sequels. Hello, Cinderella. I, yes, there's, three, my kids, there's
0: like three Cinderella movies, and heaven yes, forbid. there are, and I'm, only the <laughs> and first I'm one's small. Um,
1: when we get to Cinderella, we can talk about the sequels. I, I have some concerted opinions about both of them. Um, but, you know, Mike, look, we are. I live in Tampa, Florida, and we are Disney's um, annual pass holders. And my wife and my in-laws are all big Disney people. Uh, I grew up in New York, so my uh, affection for Disney was really relative to my my wife and my in laws and my child, though I had seen these movies when I was a kid. But being uh, being sort of an aficionado of them now uh, is relative to watching my child enjoy them um, and and kind of think and and it's really through that prism that I'm that I'm going to be talking about a lot of this stuff tonight. I can talk about it from a film snob perspective. Uh, which is somewhat what we do on this show, and what we do on Long Road to Ruin, and that'll be fine, and I will definitely draw from that a kind of expertise, but I can't help but talk about my kid and how she uh, views I, these films.
0: And that's one of the reasons I wanted you on here, because, again, the other people who have been on this show and who will be on the show in the future, and you know, I love having Pat and Sean, everybody else on, but for you know, discussing something that harkens back to your childhood and the fact that you're a parent with a young child, I wanted, you know, maybe kind of, the, you know, the, not to, you know, bring up the wrong movie on the wrong, but, you know, kind of a circle of life, you know, back at the beginning type thing. Absolutely. So uh, let's, you know, let's get started here. The first one, Disney's first feature-length animated release, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, featuring the evil queen, oh, I saw her name the other day. I want to say it's like Grimhilda, even though they never mention it on screen. She's just the evil queen. Who wants to stay the fairest in the land and locks up her stepdaughter? I believe there's a lot of evil step parents in these movies and bad step siblings, and that well, really no. gave kind of them a bad rap. <laughs> but well, you, just, you the know what's queen, funny about that? There.
1: Yeah, the wicked queen. You know what's funny about that? Um, if you if you uh, think about the, the, how the step whatever is represented, the, there's there's a legit look. Not every step parent is terrible. Um neither is every stepchild. But the problem is that this comes from a very real place of hurt. Um not to be a drag on this podcast, but a lot no, of no, no. children the abuse we talk bad yeah. guys.
0: You can't drag us down. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um a lot of children who get abused, uh the tenant the, the, the most likely person to abuse a child is a family member, and the most likely family member is usually a step parent. Certainly a lot of girls who are um, molested by someone in their own home, it's usually a stepdad. Um, And story after story after story is written about a stepmother. And I I have heard uh, a tragic tale uh, as old as time. Um, You have a marriage. The the mother dies or leaves or whatever, and the father uh, can't get it together enough to raise the children on his own. So he marries another woman who's a bitter crazy bitch and mistreats uh her step and the father's kind of left wondering what have I done. So there's a reason why the fairy tales kind of go back to the step whatever it is because there are legitimate problems with um not and not and this is this is a generalization it's not 100% obviously but there are legitimate oh, yeah. problems with the concept of the blended family.
0: Yeah and uh if my stepmother is listening out there uh you don't fall into this category. We still love you, Squeak. Nothing personal. <laughs> Go ahead, everybody. Sorry. <laughs> okay, but as a character, she is just this vain, self-centered. You know, the first thing you do. I haven't seen the act. I mean, I've seen the movie plenty of times, but I didn't. There were some of these I didn't get around to rewatching before this, so I may be off. But the first one of the first things we see her do, she does the whole mirror mirror on the wall thing and it says, no, White's fairer than you, and she hires someone to kill this girl, and not only does she want her dead, she wants her still beating heart as proof that she's dead so I mean that's
1: two some things on serious that
0: serious stuff <laughs> two you know, things that, on that one you know as much as I am a father
1: i am all I, I am also a psychologist or a licensed clinical social worker, so you know, not a licensed psychologist as such, but a mental health professional, so you can't help. But look at the Evil Queen and and see how threatened she is, how her ego is threatened by this other person, and it informs every decision that she makes, right to her own demise. Um, but uh, quick quick story. Uh, so she says, you know, I, I want proof that she's dead. I don't want you to come back, and you know, and with, with some sort of ridiculous story. I want. I want you to show me her still beating heart, so I know for sure you carried out the job, which I think is reasonable. Um, you, know, you know, you want proof that you. I mean,
0: you want you want proof that a job has been done properly. No shame, no harm in that. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that was the worst thing she did. Um, you know, doesn't know. Well, what this I mean, guy's within doing the context of it. I want someone dead. I don't. I'm not going to pay you until you prove it. That makes perfect sense. Right. I'm with her. With if you once you have made the decision to hire a hitman
1: there are certain things within that decision that, 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 that I'm willing to go with as, you know, that, that should be consistent. But um I remember I was uh I was Oz twice. I was Oz in junior high and then I was Oz again when I uh when I was a senior in high school for our high school senior play, senior musical. And Dorothy, God bless her, um lost her place in the script and started doing now this is when Dorothy's the Scarecrow, Cowdy Lion and the Tin Woodsman go to Oz go to um yeah, Oz the uh the, the Emerald City the first time and uh the so, you know the whole thing is I want this and I want that and then we'll, we'll you know go kill the witch. Bring so back her broom is she, proof. Yeah, bring back her broom as proof. And I remember uh Karen started to do lines from the end of the Wizard of Oz when she goes back the second time and didn't realize that she was doing it. You know? So
0: Man, that must so, have gone
1: well. Oh no, well well I haven't gotten to the punchline yet. So she's going on and on with this and I and, and I'm trying to and I'm trying to do my lines and they're not making sense. So I just start vamping with her because I'm trying to get us now out of the scene and save the rest of this musical and I and I said something to the and she was just like, But we've killed the wit and I'm like, Oh god <laughs> You know, you could just you could hear, you could seriously hear the record skip and the tumbleweeds go across the stage at that point. And so brilliantly, I saved the musical by yelling out the following, go back and make sure she's really dead.
0: <laughs> hey, it works. You, know, you didn't bring proof, you don't get squat. That's right. Go back and make sure she's really dead
1: and this time bring proof. So, uh, yeah, Karen slightly humiliated after that, but everyone else thought that was
0: hilarious. Hey, improv- you know, that's one of the great things about the theater as far as just plays go, is you get little improvisational moments like that. That can be fun. In in,
1: indeed. But yeah, you're right. You know, she, she has one major motivation, and that is to hang on to the thing that she prizes the most, her beauty, which is interesting because she'll, she'll sacrifice it later on for what she feels is the greater good, the elimination of this person. Who? What, what's weird about this, and I think it's reflective of the time, Snow White isn't prized for her intelligence. She's not really prized for her character or her kindness towards others. She is merely prized for her beauty. She's the fairest in the land, and she's more fair than the Wicked Queen, and that's all anyone cares about. I couldn't think of a more chauvinistic you know, plot device to move things forward.
0: <laughs> true, true. Uh, I'll give you that. But just, uh, and you're and she, and the huntsman to his credit does not kill her. He cuts out the heart of a pig, which he passes off as human and the pig heart and the human heart are virtually interchangeable. So, you know, Honest mistakes were made on the part of the Wicked Queen, I assume. <laughs> I mean, It's not like she mistook an oversized cow heart for the heart of a adolescent, I assume, an early teenage girl. Well, and never day, wa- you know, and I-, I can never ahead. watch that scene without thinking of the Simpsons parody wherein Groundskeeper Willie is supposed to kill Lisa. Can't do it. Oh, I'm going to do it. Run, little girl. Oh no! I got now I've now I'm in trouble. Oh, I'll use the pig, and he pulls out Spider Pig from the movie. I'll, I'll use the pig <laughs> heart. Oh, I cannot do it. I'll use my own heart. I can't hurt any living thing, even though I'm a
1: hunter. Well, look. Um, he, here's the thing. He he's he's not a hitman per se. You know, he takes the job because it's the queen. And even at the time that the queen orders him to do it, he's a little like, oh, a little unsure about this. But he goes out there and he does it and he sees her and he's overcome by her beauty and says, I can't kill an innocent child You know, I, I it's just you've done nothing and you're you're and, and again, this is something I talk about with Sean all the time, is that I really hate in films the concept of the do nothing heroine. You know, I'm just there to look pretty. You know, as I said on um, Tuesday's Long Road to Ruin, you know, you're just you're just boobs at this point. You're boobs and a shriek. And that, and, yeah. and unfortunately that's a lot of what Snow White is in this movie. Look, I don't begrudge anybody their princesses, and I don't begrudge anybody their love of Snow White. But let's let's be clear about this. She does nothing. When the nope. huntsman comes after her, she, she doesn't sings. use any wit. Yes, yeah, she she sings. <laughs> That's it. That's her one talent. That's it. Um she sings and she and she takes care of a bunch of old men, short old men. Um but when you when you think about it, when confronted with this thing, she doesn't run. She doesn't. Uh, she doesn't try to use her wit. Doesn't even try to use her sex appeal. She's just ah. And if he had been, you know, a sociopath, she'd have been dead. There would have been no movie. That would have been oh, the yeah. end of Snow White.
0: If this was Dexter, but, if this was Michael C. Hall instead of Chris Hemsworth, we don't have a we don't have a second act. <laughs> and, and that's the end of Snow White. Everybody, good night. I you who's the real
1: villain in this because I honestly think that the Evil Queen is is really just. Your typical, um, your typical woman with low self esteem. Okay. She's alone. She, 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 she's alone in the castle. She's very concerned about her looks. She's probably concerned, you know, about her body shape. And she looks in the mirror and she just sees a fat girl, you know, like you do. Um, it's a goddamn mirror that, that 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 sends the whole thing. The mirror, you know, can't tell her yes, honey. You can't can't be the good husband, right? Can't just say yes, honey. You don't look fat in that dress.
0: No, can't do it.
1: Nope, you're not He does
0: it with a pause. That's the that's what starts the whole thing, I think. He pauses before he says, "You look great." (laughs)
1: Mirror, mirror on the wall,
0: do I look fat in this dress? No, no. (laughs) I don't
1: believe you. Why did you pause?
0: So you're uh, so what you're saying is I look fat in everything else. (laughs) And then of course she reacts like any other woman would. I'll kill any bitch that
1: looks better than me. And then you know, and it's the only bitch around is Snow White. So that's really the, the, the real story behind this thing is that the mirror is is actually the real villain as it sends this poor woman into apoplexy about uh, you know about her her figure and her looks uh, because she's got terribly low self esteem. Thank you everybody. Uh, Good night.
0: I want to briefly uh, I don't know if you saw it uh, a couple of years ago we actually had two new adaptations of Snow White you had Mirror Mirror and Snow White and the Huntsman that came out close to each other and could not be different in terms of tone and approach and whatnot. I don't know about Mirror, Mirror, but Snow White and the Huntsman was fucking terrible. I didn't like a whole lot about it. I mean, I'm a huge mark for Chris Hemsworth. I'll see anything he's in. I saw the Red Dawn remake, and I didn't care for it, but Chris Hemsworth was in it, so I'll give it a chance because the guy is so damn charming.
1: Have I told you that you and my wife should go steady?
0: The only reason why (laughs) she wanted to see Thor the first time was she was like, Chris
1: Hemsworth's a very pretty man. Like... You could actually hear wet coming out of her mouth when she said it, and, uh, and and then like anything that he's in, she's like, "I just want to go see Chris Hemsworth because he's a very pretty man." So yeah, once again, yeah. you you and my I'm wife are saying. connected on this weird
0: level. <laughs> that, that, uh, that's an odd <laughs> sentiment, but fair enough. But <laughs> hey, I listen. You, I've already. The other thing I've, I like, I've already, I like a, I brought up just because I like Charlie's Theron's version of the Wicked Queen, and yes, there was some more magic and a bit slightly different motivation, but. She chewed scenery in the best way possible.
1: They, they turned Snow White into Joan of Arc for some odd reason.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, <laughs> and and which would have worked had it not been Chris. Actually, there's, there's two things about that.
1: <laughs> there's two things about that movie that drag it down. One of them is Kristen Stewart, and the other one is it. It's it's just awfully paced. I mean, people yeah. talk about Lord of the Rings being paced weird. But this was like it just goes nowhere for so long, and then oh
0: my god, we're in a battle! What what, what happened to the first first twelve hours of this film? Yeah. And a uh, oh, brief side note: that movie also drew the ire of the Little People's Association of America, or whatever. Oh, do tell. So, well, all, no, all of the actors who play the Seven Dwarves, including the great Ian McShane, and we all love Ian McShane, they weren't. There were no little people cast. They were themselves, and then digitally shrunk down, similar to what they did for Chris Evans in the first. Act of Captain America.
1: Well, they also and,
0: did that with Sean Astin, and um but no, they say, hired they actually the hired little people to work, and a lot of the uh, scenes with little people actually are little people for that. They did a lot of trick cameras for the Lord of the Rings, well, the first one. Well, was, yeah, on but, on, on but on the main hobbits, Hobbit, all four of the main hobbits are not midgets. They're, they're no, 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 that's not what I But I mean, they did not hire any, any. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. For that movie, at all. Right <laughs> and it, it, it rankled a little bit apparently for on some of those people, but and it, it kind of makes sense that we go from the evil queen to another kind of stalked the evil step parent because you go to the wicked stepmother and I forget her name from Cinderella and you've seen the sequel so I assume you know more about what further happens with her ugly sisters and the whole nine yards so I'm just cur- so you know I, I want to get your okay kind of your perspective Robert? on. Yeah, Sit back, smoke some pot, get a drink. Okay,
1: I don't BB smoke on. or
0: drink. <laughs> you know I'm a Mormon. I don't do these things.
1: Right. Sit back, smoke the peace pipe. I, I don't know. I don't know what Mormons do. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll just listen while you imbibe ancient wisdoms. <laughs> because let me tell you how much I know about these three movies. First of all, my kid's not – I think my kid watched Snow White the, the first time on the Disney Cruise. That was last week. So she's not – I mean, she's, she's familiar with Snow White in that she knows she exists. She's seen the dress, and I think because of the color scheme, she liked the dress. Um, she knows of the dwarves. She doesn't really have any reaction to them. And when she watched the movie for the first time, she was. it was like, okay, I, I, I sat through the whole thing. Daddy, now can we watch Peter Pan? which I will get to later on in this podcast.
0: Yes, we'll get to. Um
1: the first Disney princess, not that isn't on Disney Junior, so I'm you know, that isn't Sophia, that my kid um really uh attached herself to and just thought was the bees' knees was Cinderella. The only person who can talk more about Cinderella than I can is my daughter. You won't understand her. She's a little mushmouth at two years old. But, my gosh, she'll go on forever. about. It. Loves the Cinderella movies. And, really, the Cinderella... And if you think about how Disney has reframed and marketed their princesses, because it, it started out as just disparate characters that they were marketing individually for films, and then it became a brand in and of itself, much like how they, they took Tinkerbell out of Peter Pan and gave her a world of her own and said fairies with its own marketable brand, which by the way, there's a new Tinkerbell movie coming out, I think next year called the pirate fairies, which is people at Disney want to have at for one a year, right? Yeah. Well, I was going to say not only that, but it's like, if you work at Disney, you just sit around going, what brands can we mash together to maximize our profits? Well, pirates are popular. Fairies are popular. Pirate fairy. Fuck it. Write the story. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> Run it. I like it. Do it. Um, the, actually, the trailer for the Pirate Fairies is, is on my Facebook page. It's it's worth checking out. It looks like it's going to be a cute story. Um, but anyway, uh, I can talk about the Tinkerbell movies on another podcast. So back to Cinderella. Um, Not Cinderella mine, is. But, like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Aww.
0: Um, there really are no. Have it, anything that re- that has to do with Julia Roberts, I'm a bit opposed to as a general rule. So, and Julia Roberts played Tinkerbell. So, when you think about how
1: Disney marketed the princess brand, the the Jesus figure <laughs> of, of the of the Disney princesses is Cinderella. It's Cinderella's castle that stands high above everything else at Disney World. It's uh, Cinderella's castle you see in the logo for Disney. Um, Cinderella really is the archetype for the stock princess and it's the one that I mean even in the Big Bang Theory I don't know if who you know if people watch that show but when um, the three female characters went to Disney and decided to go to the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique stop me if you have no idea what I'm talking the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique to get all dolled up as princesses they were fighting over who got to be Cinderella and part of the reason why is because Cinderella is also the fantasy love story that all women covet you know it's they're they're in the they're they're in the doldrums of life they were abused they're overworked they're they're forgotten about and print and a prince comes looking for them because they because the, the, the few moments that they spent together, it was love at first sight, and he couldn't go on with his life until he found her. And he and he risked it all to cut, to go back and look for her and make sure you know that she was the one and he would have no others. This is the kind of thing women love for whatever the reasons are. So, now who? who, who would, go why would first. you
0: want that? That makes no <laughs> logical
1: sense at all for that to be a fantasy. <laughs> I, look, you know, I, I, it's not appealing to me, but you know, I don't, I don't want all that attention. <laughs> Any woman that likes me that much is clearly nuts. Um, <laughs> you're smothering me. We're all self-aware, and I need We're like me, self-aware
0: enough. You're to be like, huh? You forsook everyone else for me after meeting me for five minutes. I'm not sure what your baggage is, but I think I'll pass.
1: Yeah, I, 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 get, I then go to Peter Griffin on that. You know, uh, I don't know if you've ever saw the, the Return of the Jedi spoof that Family Guy did. But. I did.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> who are you? Someone who loves you. You are smothering me, and I need my you need faith. my space. So, yeah, I, if yep. any chick that's into me after five minutes clearly needs her head examined, um, and I need to run like hell because I also have a pension for dating crazy chicks. My wife is the same as one. That's why I married her. She won the Um in any case, Cinderella, right? So I've been do- I've been going on and on about how like Cinderella is probably the most important of the princess movies and and I, and I haven't seen a girl yet not fall in love with the Cinderella story and the character. And it's the first one that made my kid go gaga for the prince for the Disney prince. It starts with Cinderella. But the the question of the night is what about the wicked stepmother, right? So really when I was talking about um why are step this and that such a you know, a popular villain type in uh in movies far and wide, not just in cartoons? If no one everyone remembers the fairy godmother and the talking mice, you know, and the pumpkins that turns a stagecoach and the you know, and the dog that turns into uh the horseman and uh and all of that. Um and uh, you know, and the dress that's that's you know, ripped to tatters and then you know uh magically tur- bibbidi bibbity bobbity booed
0: into an awesome evening gown and love at first sight in the glass slipper. Everyone As remembers a fan all of, of no Dragon b- Ball Z, I can never hear that expression again and look at it the same way. Let me just get that out of the way. <laughs> I never, I, I'm not like an anime guy, so I don't know much it's about it. It's okay. I, I just want to put that out there. For anyone else that has seen Dragon Ball Z, they, would un- they understand when I say bibbidi-bobbidi-boo means something different to me than it does to most other people. Duly noted.
1: Um, <laughs> but er- so everyone remembers all of that stuff. Nobody remembers how the movie starts. And the movie starts exactly like the way I was talking about before, where uh Cinderella's mother is gone, and the dad marries uh the person who is the wicked stepmother in the movie, and then he dies, and now this woman is stuck with this kid that isn't hers, and that's always the you know that that's not always, but that's all o- that's a very many times the sort of psychology behind the relationships. It's well you're not really my child. And I, I didn't bargain for this. I, I married a man. I didn't marry a child. And now I'm stuck with you. And so she favors natural. two natural <laughs> – Free labor. Oh, okay. <laughs> free
0: labor. Okay. I, well, I'm not sure if you're telling me to stop talking for a moment or, or – I, I didn't hear what you said.
1: Free labor. No, no, yes. I,
0: that, that's what it turns into. It's like, okay, you get to do all the housework, and I will hope that my – th- that's kind of the thing in the latter half of the movie. She tries to stop Cinderella becoming the princess – because she desperately wants her daughters to not be screw-up. They are, but right. it's, it's a wish it, the wish that parents it, it, have. You don't want your kids to be screw-ups.
1: Well, it's acknowledged. Right? Go back and watch Cinderella. I, mean, cause I I watched it recently with Lily, who is my daughter, and and I listened very carefully to the beginning, and it it goes by in a flash, but it totally sets up the whole movie and explains a lot of it in just a few sentences. You know... Um, she favored her two awkward daughters, so the mom knows her daughters are a bunch of putts. She knows that, like you know, yes, they're drawn crudely, and they you know they're draw they're drawn to be purposely you know unattractive, and their behavior, especially in the subsequent sequels, <laughs> their behavior is ridiculous. Um, it goes beyond awkward, but uh, you know she knows that she knows that without help. <laughs> without a lot of help these two are going to be living with this woman forever and you have to remember the time that this is taking you know you got to get these kids out of the goddamn house you know you you got to get them out you got to get them married you don't want them to be old maids because they're going to they're going to seriously detract from whatever wealth you have if if that happens so the
0: option is the parent with your married wealth you married up. You get to celebrate. You're over 18. Go out, get married, and start making babies because our life expectancy is about 40.
1: I was going to say, I think it's 16 back then or 14. <laughs> you know, I said 18 for legal reasons. Well, it's not 2013 when Cinderella takes place. Thank you very much.
0: For my um, legal reasons where I am, you know, my own personal <laughs> – okay, you want a slightly accurate look about how you know young women have to start marrying and having kids – read or watch the game of thrones series because you've got 14-year-olds having kids and that's kind of how it actually was back then because again you're dead by the age of 45
1: right so in short to kind of wrap up this point and move forward her her goal is to get these two bitches married and out of the damn house and she and unfortunately she's got this third kid now that she didn't want in the first place so it's like well I can't have you distract. And, and she knows she's pretty. She knows that. Well, we're back to the same thing with Snow White. She's a threat to the ultimate goal. She's a threat to to, to what the uh, what the whole plan here is. So she hides her in the house. You know, you get to go sweep and do laundry and everything else. And you know, and the sisters abuse her and and, and everything. And it's you know, just as long as nobody can see you and know how pretty you are, because we don't want anyone distracting from uh my two kids who I need to get out of this house. Um and that's that's and so in in that sense um she it's still it's she's not a nice woman obviously but you I, I always feel like with the villains you have to see, you know, wh- what the motivations are, what are the machinations, what, where are these people coming from? You have to
0: see from? their perspective. It's important.
1: Right. And that was her perspective. Why I do Cinderella this. was threatening? Yeah, Cinderella was threatening, we're going to bury her. We're going to bury her in chores. And the whole yeah yeah of the movie. we can't
0: have that RVD guy at the top of the card. You will be be in ladder matches until you uh, scrub out of the company, sir. Don't
1: break your neck.
0: I'll um, for you. There you go. Yeah. All see right. if you if you. Uh, uh, so that's good. So for the wrestling
1: fans out there,
0: Rob Van Dam is Cinderella. Good night, everybody. <laughs> it's not that far off, and Paul Heyman's the fat fairy godmother.
1: <laughs> Bibbidi bobbidi boo.
0: Yes. <laughs> It's so accurate. Now I'm seeing it in my head, and it's so accurate. It's (laughs) disturbing. (laughs) Paul Paul Heyman waving around. He's got the old (laughs) cell phone instead of a wand now, too. (laughs) Because it's Dangerous (laughs) Alliance, Paul. Just, I'm just picturing now RVD in the big Cinderella draft. Still botching the, the five-star frog splash. <laughs> You'll go to the ball yet, Rob Van Dam. God. <laughs> anyway. Oh, boy. Okay, <laughs> let's move on to the next one. We I, I don't think we're topping that when discussing Cinderella. Well, hang on. Before we do, okay, I, go ahead I, and I must address
1: this. I must
0: address this. and finish. TV. Okay. okay. I can't talk
1: too much about the second one. Um, I've never actually sat through that one the whole way. I know, I know the premise is that one sister is just fucking terrible. <laughs> the one with the black hair is the worst human being on the planet. I would I would go as far as to say she's actually worse than the Wicked Stepmother. The Wicked Stepmother at least has a plan. <laughs> you know, It can conduct herself appropriately and is sort of focused on what the goals are. This one's just a complete animal. But the sister with the red hair is actually sympathetic. Her whole thing through through this the next two movies is, I just want someone to love. Me. You know, I'm I'm angry at you because you found true love, and why won't someone love me like that too? And so they and so they actually make her a very sympathetic character for someone who is supposed to be the awkward, you know, evil stepsister. There's more to her than what is than what has commonly been believed or or portrayed about her. It's just she's, um, you know, she's that kid who kind of looks at everybody else who's being picked to go to the prom and looks around and says, well, why won't anyone take me? What's wrong with me? Don't I deserve to be loved too? So the second movie, um, there's a lot that revolves around her falling in love with the town baker. And that's not good enough for the mother. The mother wants them to marry royalty. You know, some some, mem- some some member of the royal uh, lineage. You know, a duke somewhere, something something duke, along those baron, lines Maybe an earl if we're desperate. Right, and she goes, you know, and she goes for the common man, working hard with his hands. How you doing, Pat? So you know, she falls <laughs> in love. She falls in love with the baker, and it drives the evil stepmother nuts eight ways from Sunday. Uh, I don't remember how it gets resolved. I think in the end they end up getting married and. Um, her and Cinderella bond because she's found true love. And you know the the other sister was an animal and the look at stepmother kind of left out in the cold and typical for Disney straight to video. The third one completely forgets about that. I even said to my wife, I'm like, we're watching, I've, I've seen a, I think it's called a stitch in time, Cinderella three, a stitch in time. I've seen that one a bunch of times. That one, they, they tend to play on Disney junior a lot. And, uh, I remember we were watching it, and I watched the beginning of it, um, and it has to do with time travel, I'll explain that in just a second. But I remember um, it, the two girls are living with the mom again, and I'm like – I go to my wife. I'm like, wait, didn't she marry the baker? This is, like, was like John McClane an L.A. They,
0: detective in the last one?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> um, it was as if they wrote the third movie uh, as if two – you know, two guys in their twenties and thirties weren't going to sit here and seriously evaluate them later on on a podcast. I don't think they really
0: ever really considered that. So these were written by Ben Affleck without the assistance of Matt Damon, and this is what you get. With Matt <laughs> yeah, Damon, exactly. you get Goodwill Hunting. Without Matt Damon, what that's I mean, the man we got as Batman, folks. Don't get me started. Uh, you know, and I, at this point,
1: what's even worse is the chick they got as Wonder Woman. But it's, fuck. You'll get me off on a rant.
0: So, and we can rant on it, Fast and Furious can be its own other... Thing. Uh, yes, it can. Uh,
1: so getting to the point, so we, so we can move on in this podcast, isn't nine hours. Um, what happens is, the two girls are back living with the mom, and everything that happened in the second movie seems to have just been forgotten about. And the plot is that the wicked stepmother uh, somehow gets a hold of the fairy godmother's law. And she instantly learns how to use... Which I think is awesome. You know, if, if, if uh, I don't
0: need seven years at Hogwarts,
1: piss off. Well, I was going to say, if Will Smith can jump into an alien vessel and go, I saw how it flies, I think I, can, I think I can fly this thing. I don't see and why she can't pick and, up the launch And Jeff in- Goldblum hacked the alien mothership with a laptop. A Mac laptop, by the way, which isn't compatible <laughs> with anything on Earth, let alone an alien vessel. But he could do it. So if Steve Jobs so was an can, alien, and there's your proof. Yeah, there you go. So if Will Smith can instantly fly an alien aircraft, I don't see why simply picking up the fairy godmother's wand doesn't turn the wicked stepmother into a level seven, level seven wizard. Um, so she uses the wand to go back in time to smash the, rub- to, 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 the ruby slipper, to smash the glass slipper, so that none of the stuff that happened in the original Cinderella actually happened and she and instead she casts a spell on the slipper that he has the prince to make it fit the the redheaded stepdaughter's the redheaded daughter's foot and she takes Cinderella's spot and when the guy's like you don't look anything like the woman I fell in love with last night This doesn't make any sense to me she ends up casting a spell on him so that he believes he's in love with her. is yeah, that always works. And the movie and then and then this and Cinderella has to sort of work to get back into you know his mind and make him fall in love with her all over again, and it's it's the same kind of trope here where uh you know her whole thing is like I don't want someone to love me just because you put a spell on him, I want them to really be in love with me, um and I don't want to have to wreck Cinderella's life to you know to to get there so it's um you know for a direct-to-video Disney movie it's not bad but the wicked stepmother goes from someone you can at least sympathize with her motivations to in the first movie to by the third she turns into Maleficent <laughs> you know she's just, I love she's, now she's
0: we're gonna get amazing. there in a minute or two but she's my she's one of my favorites oh, so um I think I've now covered that more in depth than any other person on the
1: history of the planet including people who wrote the movie
0: quite possibly. All right, next chronologically, um, I'm just looking over the list like, man, okay, we're going to skip some of these. There's only a couple that I really want to hit, but I believe next chronologically comes uh, The Red Queen from Alice in Wonderland. And I'm just so – This is another you know, one of my kid favorites. Uh, yeah, by all means, I don't care for the movie. I don't care for the story or the movie or the other movie or the sequel or the live-action movie. Again, I could go on. I don't much care for them. I don't care much for The Red Queen in general. So I'm going to let you kind of take the helm on this one. As far as the red Queen, you know well, authors so let's go from there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. She's clearly bipolar. Um Oh yeah.
1: She's very she's very personality. Um you know, I I would go as I mean, I don't know if the red queen ever cuts herself, but so it's hard to say if she's borderline personality disordered or if she's histrionic. I'm going to go think with histrionic. I she became the red queen you know? I'm sure she cut herself. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I have to go with my evi- I have to go with the evidence that the movie shows me, not what I infer based on, okay. you know, whatever. But um my my thought here is is that we are at least leaning in the direction of histrionic personality disorder. For someone who then when they paint the roses red, for her to get that worked up over it, I'm gonna go with histrion. Um but uh clearly delusional. Um and she's obviously an infant in a grown woman's body. And that's kind of it she you know that the, the problem with Alice in Wonderland is um you have to be really high to enjoy it or a child uh but aside from that it's just it's it's this this whole thing is Alice and a bunch of obstacles yes she yeah. she is she she's kind of the final boss, you know what I mean Alice in Wonderland is more of a video game than it is a uh, a story, and, and it makes it's, video it, and it, you know it starts. it does um and 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 the red queen is really just the final boss there's nothing to her she's just there and she's a giant obstacle for alice to to get around um and there's no reasoning with her there was no bargaining with her really uh the and the only kind of um it, the only the only time she shows any degree of humanity is she seems to have a thing for the king so when the king is saying can't we have a trial just a small one just a, just a little one you know she seems willing to appease the king uh, for whatever the reasons are. But outside of that, she has no humanity. She's just there. She's she's essentially the Rancor from Return of the Jedi, just big, giant monster there to eat people and serve no other There's purpose. There's
0: a striking physical similarity.
1: <laughs> and in the interest
0: of time, that is all I have to say about the Red Queen. And, yeah, I, again, I, I'm not big on that one. But uh, next one one you mentioned off air we want to go on for a little bit here. But, uh, okay, another confession, I don't care for Peter Pan story, the movie. Peter Pan is a character, annoys me. He's like nails on a chalkboard. I wish to slap him and say, grow a pair. A whiny, obnoxious <laughs> teenager who I want to step on his neck. And he's supposed Dude, to Peter, be that. Way.
1: Peter Pan is awesome. So
0: I don't you know. disagree with people who have a different point of view on it, but and he, and fun, funny story. Uh, I believe I'm correct when I say this, though. I may be wrong, but my research into this kind of led me to, I mean, i If memory serves, Peter Pan was initially a play before it was a novel or anything. And some of the original drafts did not have Captain Hook. The only bad guy you got was Peter being a douchebag. And they decided kind of last minute to add in the character of Captain Hook. And And in a bit of stage tradition that holds true to this day, they couldn't find someone to play Captain Hook in time for opening night, so the guy they had cast as the father, uh, Mr. Darling. Wound up playing Hook as well. And that's a tradition that holds true uh to this day. If you're the uh there's you know that's why the guy who did the voice of Miss, of uh, Mr. Darling in the movie also did the voice of Captain Hook. If you're on this if you're in the play, if you play the dad, you play Captain Hook. They they're different roles, but they're always done by the same act. And that's a it's very you know, that's just kind it's of an very much of Oz that.
1: like it's very Wizard of Oz like, you know. You have—I can't remember the woman's name, but you know, you have the the evil neighbor who wants to kill the dog, who's you know, who is who is also the wicked witch of the west.
0: Yeah, um, Mrs. Gulch was the character's name. Yes, and, and, her, name El- name and like... her name was Elmyra. And her name was Elmyra Gulch. Something like that. <laughs> but lucky yeah, so for him, it is was the one kind more of a last-minute addition to the whole thing, and he wound up, and again, he's a very famous bad guy. He's you know He was the pirate for Lord knows how long, and in some cases still is. And I wound up rooting for him more often than not just because I didn't like Peter Pan. Like, yes, shoot him. Why are you missing? Never mind. I didn't understand the difference between smoothbore and rifling, and you can barely hit the broad side of a barn with a smoothbore flintlock pistol. But now he's got a little knife, and you've got a sword. You're a grown man. He's a little boy. You're well, oh, Peter Pan. Also my anger around. at Hook stemmed from you couldn't beat Peter Pan. How dare
1: you? All right, a couple of things. As I said earlier, I have watched Peter Pan because because uh a little ways back, I think we we because my daughter got into the Tinkerbell movies first, we I played for her Peter Pan. I said this is where Tinkerbell comes from and that was kind of the end of that. Now, om- almost daily she watches this movie. Uh, I'll be in my office playing Marvel Lego. She's sitting next to me watching Peter Pan on, on the computer. Uh, when we went up to North Carolina, I downloaded four movies for her to watch, the Tinkerbell movie, Peter Pan, and two Barbie movies. She watched Peter Pan almost the entire time. On, uh, I go, you know, if she gets up in the middle of the night um, because she didn't nap and she went to bed too late, and then she got, you know, then she got up again, and, my wife and I are trying to sleep. I might go to her and say, "Here's the iPad. What do you want to watch? Do you want to watch Barbie? Do you want to watch Peter Pan? Do you want to watch Sophia? What do you want to watch?" She was like, "How about Peter Pan?" She always says, "How about like we're, like, we're bargaining." So, needless to say, I am now intimately familiar with this movie. Um, the reason why I said Peter Pan is awesome is you have the whole beginning sequence where Peter Pan has come back to claim his shadow, and what he reveals is that he um, he goes to the Darling household. Because Wendy, the house resident, uh, resident uh, authority on Peter Pan, tells his stories nightly to uh, John and his brother, and uh, Michael to Michael and John, and he comes to hear the stories. And he even and he's such an egomaniac. He is, he's an unabashed egomaniac. He she, she says like, yeah, I tell the kids the stories. He was like, I know. That's why I like them. They're all about me. And she's going on. And she Wendy is just. Traveling on and on and on like a girl does. And Peter Pan just looks at her and goes Girls talk And she and she doesn't it doesn't even register at first that he's just insulted her. And she's like she's like, Yes, girls do talk. And like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Why you it's just, it's just great, you know. Um he's he's also
0: a total womanizer. I mean he's Barney.
1: He is Barney from How I Met Your Mom. Which explains um, you know, my he,
0: dislike for Barney and Neil Patrick Harris. Different topic. But no, I don't <laughs> care for NPA.
1: Um So, you know, like you know, Wendy wants to go see the mermaids. He takes her to see the mermaids. The mermaids are fawning all over him like he's Elvis. You know, and and he doesn't even realize that they're all now threatened by Wendy, as Tinkerbell was threatened by Wendy, and he could give a shit less. He's just like, hey, I'm Peter Pan. Worship my penis. And they do. <laughs> And they get <laughs> and they get threatened by any other bitch that comes along that might want to worship his penis too. They're like, hey, 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 hey. There's no line forming here. This is it, man. And this and then uh, the same thing with Tiger Lily. You know, Tiger Lily worships the penis of Peter Pan too. At least she had a legitimate reason. He saved her from Captain Hook by doing uh, impressions and such. And 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 here's poor Wendy. Like, hey. Now oh, I'm jealous of Tiger Lily, and Tiger Lily's like I don't care, and you know what Peter Pan says? I don't care either. Now I'm now I get to be an Indian chief too. He's all about himself. You want to talk about a personality disorder? Peter Pan, narcissist personality disorder. It's
0: all about yeah. Me. yeah.
1: And but, uh, okay, moving
0: on towards Hook because again, you know, we if you want to diagnose, if you want to like mentally diagnose a 13 year old who has been 13 forever, you, that's basically what it is, and. It it's just downhill from there. So Um, yeah, you're right. Captain Hook. On to Hook for a minute, since we are talking about the bad guys here. Captain Hook, any thoughts on him? Uh, I have lots of thoughts. Uh, First of all, Captain Hook got kind of a, got kind of a rebirth. Um,
1: I I can't, we can't talk about Captain Hook without recognizing what he means to the modern TV audience. Uh, There's a show on Disney Junior called Jake and the Neverland Pirate. And I've come to hate this show because it's so saccharine. It's so and it's so ridiculous. But my daughter loves it. Um, you know, she loves the pirate show and it's you know, it's one of the things that reinforced her love of the Peter Pan movie. So Jake's so Jake and the Neverland Pirates is about these three asshole kids who are pirates um in in the least in, in like the, the least sense of the word possible. And the villain on the show is Captain Hook. A a very childishly drawn Captain Hook. But Captain Hook nonetheless. And my kid Doors, Captain Hook on this show, except that I don't understand what she sees in the man. He is an absolute retard buffoon. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the the Captain Hook on Jake of the Neverland Pirates is is, is just as much a toddler, you know, in, in a man's body as Peter Pan is in the movie. Um, he's single-mindedly after treasure. And it's, and it's like, he's it, like a villain from the old 80s, like, cartoon shows. He's just like, I've got the thing, and, and it's always about the thing. And in this case, the thing is treasure. You know, it's like, you've got treasure? Well, I take your treasure, and now I'm going to run away with your treasure. You know, and it's so simplistic. Um, she also likes Smee. She thinks Smee is awesome. And Smee is, like, the conscience cool. of the show, you know. Um, and while Smee is the conscience of the show on Jake and the Neverland Pirates, He's the nursemaid in the movie. Um, I think the one thing I want to I want to draw attention to about Captain Hook is it's Captain Ahab, and again, much like Cinderella, it was set up right at the onset of his introduction. There's a, a the, the the pirates under Hook have not set out to sea for quite some time. They've stopped plundering, they've stopped sailing because Peter Pan chopped off Captain Hook's hand and fed it to a uh, and fed it to Tik Croc. And now Captain Hook is obsessed with killing Pan to the exclusion of all else. And his crew is starting to desert him. And the only one left that that, that's loyal to him is Smee. And they're all saying to him, like, can we just can we get off of Peter Pan? There's more to life than just trying to hunt this one guy. And Captain Hook's like, no, this is it. This is it for me. I want my hand back. You know, I want to stop being harassed by this, you know, fucking eerie-looking crocodile.
0: Never mind uh, that you've kind got of a ship which apparently can travel between stars. I don't think the crocodile can follow. Well, and, and that's the
1: thing. It's just, like I said, to the exclusion of all else, including sanity. Captain Hook refuses to move on with his life and his Peter Pan. And that's about the most interesting thing about him because, besides that, he's a complete buffoon.
0: It's. Yeah, a lot of early he, Disney villains are buffooners. Because you need comedic value out of your villains, apparently. Well, he's the. I mean, the ones that we're talking about, he's the first one
1: because there was no buffoonery uh, with the with the wicked queen. There was no buffoonery with the evil stepmother.
0: Um, That's not true. But at the same time, they're also kind. Of, you know, they're the bad guys. They're the big bad guys. But at the same time, they're kind of secondary characters. The way it's played out, in the sense that. You don't get a lot of screen time with any of them. They're just there to kind of be the evil presence in some cases. I mean, you, I think the talking mice get more screen time than the w- Wicked Stepmother does.
1: True. That's, that's probably a good point. Um, I would say to you, though, the Captain Hook is probably the first main villain that I'm aware of in the Disney universe of cartoons, feature cartoon movies. That is not particularly menacing. He's, he's a he's this a, is yuss. a
0: thing. he is never a threat. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he comes up with these plans. He has wants to have them all walk the plank. And even when he, you think he blows up Peter Pan. At no point in any of this is it actually believable. I mean when, when the wicked stepmother locks Cinderella away in the store closet when the prince comes by, there's a legitimate thought like, hey, wait a minute, he might she might not get out. The prince might go yeah. on to the next house and never know she was there.
1: Yeah, he's like he's like you know what I was thinking of when before when I was talking about like, you know, eighties cartoon villains? He's Gargamel from the Smirk. He's white coyote. It, yeah. You know, he just he never has the upper hand on Peter Pan the probably the most wicked thing he actually gets away with is he tr- is he manages to manipulate Tinkerbell who is already halfway to betraying Peter Pan because he hates the fa- she hates the fact that um there's that only one other Wendy. hey
0: the other woman in the galaxy
1: I don't like her. <laughs> well, that, well, it goes back to the whole penis worshipping thing, you know. Well, I worship your penis. Why do you need this other bitch around? Well, because I because I like lots of bitches. That's actually what Peter Pan says in the movie: is I like lots of bitches. Uh, I'm pretty sure it, throws, it, it, it's in there. And then he throws up. And then he throws up fistfuls of cash. <laughs> bitches love cash. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's right. Cream baby, cash rules everything around. Uh, all
0: right, uh, we're still going. So just uh, we've got about 90 minutes left of live airtime or 90 seconds, of live air. So anyone listening, uh, I will post the complete show as soon as it's done. Just a brief heads up. If you're unaware, we are going to run out of live air time here in a second. So look for the link to the complete show after it's done being recorded. But uh, we you want from Captain... Right, go ahead. You, should also upload a, you should also upload a picture of uh, Disney villains
1: like I've started to do with um, The Ultimate Warrior and The Long Road to Ruin, you should upload a pretty picture.
0: I will see what I can But we go from Captain Hook, who, as you mentioned, is a buffoon, has no menace whatsoever, to, in the early days, one of the more menacing uh, villains, you go to Sleeping Beauty, and there you have Maleficent, the mistress of all evil. And, look, when I was a kid, Sleeping Beauty was my Disney movie. That's the one I liked. That's the one I watched ad nauseum and drove people crazy with, because, hey, I could recite every line. Sorry, I have a good memory. And here you have Maleficent, who, you know, if you're snubbed for a party invitation, you're a little pissed. I get that. <laughs> I mean, look, I get that. Here's the other thing. Especially when everybody else is invited. I mean, it's not like you're one of half the country who got excluded. It's no, it's everyone but you. You know, Okay, you're a little pissed. I get that. To then curse the poor child with death. I mean, and... Maleficent is just, from the very beginning, and I'm actually looking forward to the live-action Maleficent movie. I don't know when it's coming out, but I'm looking forward to it. She's just this presence that is going to mess with everything. And she's actually menacing. She is intimidating. She is scary. Her minions are buffoons. They're used. Her minions spend 16 <laughs> years looking for an infant. And she rightfully gets she rightfully blasts all of them back to the stone age with magic and then sends off the raven which apparently knows what it's doing.
1: I have uh I have often found myself like Maleficent having to deal with that sort of stupidity among coworkers. Yeah, it's
0: <laughs> her scene where she laughs at them looking for babies and prece- they start laughing too because oh wait the boss is laughing and she then proceeds to smack and she blasts them back to the stone age. is very similar to one we'll talk about next week when Scar is talking with the hyenas, and he just put face palms and goes, I'm surrounded by idiots. And you can't help but feel for the poor guy.
1: <laughs> Channeling Rick Moranis from Spaceballs. I'm surrounded by assholes. So True. Um, all right. I, I, I have been talking a lot on this podcast, so I, I felt the need to sort of take a deep breath and let you, you know, host your own goddamn show. But uh, there's a lot I need to say about Sleeping Beauty. Oh, by all means. Okay, a couple of things one uh now you have to remember i've only be recently become sort of an authority on these early disney movies because i've watched a whole bunch of them um with my child but even but the one but the few elements that have always stuck in my head is uh once upon a dream from this movie so a lot of so what i'm saying is i may not have remembered the movies up until i saw them recently but there were always elements of them that stuck in my head uh maleficent was one of those elements i've always sort of treasured her as a villain um because it's a very cool thing that she does at the end of the movie first of all she says hell which is really odd in a disney film it's like well, that, that's a little jarring you know uh yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, the same time it's
0: supposed to be
1: yeah it really it, it's you know this is a kid's movie and she's going there uh, and then she turns into you know this uh dragon that looks like it is straight from hell and it's a it's a legitimately and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that in just a second, but it's a legitimately scary scene. It, it ranks right up there with the very first time you see the Evil Queen turn into the old woman, and you know she kind of lowers the cowl and you see this hideous face coming at you. It's it, you know it's it's a little unnerving the first time you see it. Uh, well, Maleficent in the in the scene when she turns into the dragon at you know, the final fight sequence. Um, it it's definitely it kind of kicks that up a notch. But uh, one of the things that have always stayed with me from Sleeping Beauty is uh, Once Upon a Dream. And the reason why I mention that is that uh, we're, we're a very musically oriented family. And I've always made, um, when Lily was, when my wife was carrying Lily, um, you know, during her pregnancy, I would actually sing into my wife's belly so that, you know, my child, my unborn child could hear me sing and get used to my sound and my voice. And then when she was born and I would uh and I would hold her, I would sing to her and I would sing Once Upon a Dream or I would sing songs by, by Journey. Um occasionally just to break it up. Uh I sang songs by Guns N' Roses. Um and then I got to doing Brown Eyed Girl and I had to change one of the lines because, you know, if it was if I if I didn't it would sound incestuous.
0: <laughs> Which is That's unfortunate bad. when
1: you sing <laughs> so it's a little unfortunate line there in, in the middle of brown-eyed girl, but uh, um, my daughter does have brown eyes, so it fit, and that's why the song would occur to me. But I, but a lot of times, more often than not, I, I sang Once Upon a Dream, and to this day I'll still occasionally sing it to her. Um, it's one of the first movies, it's actually one of the few movies that I own on DVD here at the house. So it's one of the first ones that I ever watched with Lily, and it was an interesting thing to watch her reaction to it. Um, be, you know, especially towards the end, because it because there are some legitimately scary scenes in the movie, very intense stuff. And you know, she's she's just now going to be three years old in January, so we're talking, you know, from like one on, she's watched this movie, and I would watch her and her reaction, and the stuff with Maleficent. You know, she tends to jump. You know, she would jump and kind of hold my arm, and I would have to reassure her that. Nothing bad will ever happen to her as long as daddy's around. Um, and so just, you know, relax and watch the movie. Um, but, yeah, Maleficent was legit scary. Um, she, uh, Aurora, the princess in the movie, has surpassed Cinderella in terms of uh, my daughter's favorite princess. I don't quite fear. know I think it's well, because again, of the Well, again,
0: she's another of these early do-nothing heroines. Yeah, she absol- she's an absolutely worthless. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's some I mean, things I need to she's talk.
0: Just the princess.
1: That's it. I well, mean, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, one last thing I want to say about, about the movie total. I mean, I just want, I just, let's just break this down. So, uh, a child is born, and the whole universe comes out to celebrate the birth of this child. And an evil fairy, who <laughs> you were joking around about it, like she gets snubbed from the party and kind of crashes and says, "You don't want to invite to the party." I'm going to kill your kid. How's that sound? Fucking don't invite me to nothing. Um, but you really don't know what her motivation is. She's just evil for the sake of being evil. So like, She is. You know, even, yeah. I mean, yeah, so that, that's, that's kind of
0: I – mean, it, it, it isn't one of those things where she's evil because you snubbed her an invitation. She was evil before she was snubbed. In fact, she was snubbed because she's evil. That's the thing, she, She's just evil. She's the devil. You know, she, she is absolutely
1: the devil, um, evil incarnate. She has no other motivation. She's just evil to be evil. And, yep. um, you know, forgetting about the snubbed invitation because that's a red herring, she shows up just to fuck with this family, you know, just oh, yeah. to cause heartache. And, and, and imagine, if you will, you just had a child. Like I can't imagine any other, you know, a more painful uh, thing happening to somebody than to have to give away their, their child that you wanted. I, you know, let's not get into unwanted children. That's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast. Um, but you know they wanted this child. It was the princess. They celebrated her. The whole town came out, and just as quickly, because of this bitch, because of the devil, they had to give her away for her own protection. Other than when I saw Rapunzel, and it was a kind of a similar thing, I've I've never had a Disney movie affect me so profoundly. Because I imagine what that would be like for me, and how painful that would be. Um, so you really do you feel for the king and for the you know the queen doesn't really show up much in the movie, but there's a whole sequence with the two kings. You know Prince Philip's uh, father and Aurora's yeah, father, as he gets drunk in the park and snorkel. Say what? <laughs> he tries to smack him with a fish. It's all awesome. well. That's how that's how you get somebody's attention. See, you smack him in the face with a dead fish. <laughs> it works. Um, you know, you see what I'm saying? I mean, it's it, yeah. It's one of those it's those like expertly it's written a Disney that echoes in real life. Yeah, yeah, it really does. i was just saying it tugs on those emotional strings quite hard. Uh, so it's a it's a hard movie not to react uh, sort of viscerally too. But so this you know so this evil fairy comes along and she complete and she fucks with this family and she curses the child and and they have to give her away. And she doesn't even know that she's a princess, and she gets raised by these three women who have sworn off magic in order to hide her identity. And, and, uh, and then the minute she finally gets a, 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 an, an iota of freedom... The minute she meets somebody of her own accord, well, <laughs> kind of Romeo and Juliet-esque, you know? They don't they don't know that they're supposed to be together, but they found each other anyway. And nobody else knows that they found each other. So here you have the three good fairies telling her, yeah, forget it. You're already betrothed to somebody else. And oh, by the way, you're a princess. And oh, by the way, you're cursed. And oh, by the way. <laughs> it's like, my whole – and then she turns into Vince McMahon. My whole life is falling apart. <laughs>
0: so,
1: yeah. It's a, very, it's a very emotionally wrought movie. When you think of the, you know, just all of the things that are affected just because of that one act that Maleficent does right at the beginning, what if probably the most evil character in the history of the Disney universe?
0: Oh yeah, hands down. I mean, if when I rank my Disney villain, she and there's one other from the you know, again the Golden Era who I want to get to that make my top five, and everyone else comes from the Disney Renaissance. Because I think Scar is awesome and Frollo's pretty awesome and but yeah, Maleficent holds up surprisingly well in terms of just she's just such an evil bitch. <laughs>
1: what,
0: I mean her unimaginable scene she causes her speech to Philip in the dungeon I think is awesome because you're like, Oh no, I'm not gonna kill you. Your love is sitting out there and she's waiting for your kiss to waken her from this sleep because one of the other fairies screwed with my spell. So, you know, I'll let you go in 90 or so years when you're decrepit and I mean just like I'm not just going to kill you. I'm going to come up with interesting ways to mess with. Yeah.
1: She it she she's it's psychological, it's physical. I mean, she just tortures people. I mean, I don't even think I'm doing her justice in describing it. I mean, every fiber, every fabric of your being is messed with. Both the characters in the movie and the audience, it's truly a work of art, you know, for what's supposed to be a kid's, you know, entertainment.
0: Yeah, and she's one of my all-time favorites, and she stands up very well. Um, Okay, we're going to skip ahead because I don't want to go too far over recording time. Uh, We did definitely want to get to – you mentioned you wanted to get to – the Disney Robin Hood, where Love you that have pretty bad. So we'll skip over 101 Dalmatians. Uh, sorry, Glenn Close, even though I did very much enjoy her version of Cruella DeVille. And, I, and there's just one other that I really want. You wanted to talk about Robin Hood, so we'll get to that. And then I wish to heap praise on Professor Radigan from The Great Mouse Detective, and then we'll wrap it up. So uh oh, Disney's we got to be man, Hood. man. Not Hang on, we gotta do Man Man. Oh, man. Okay, I, I okay, will, okay. I will
1: edit my... Um, okay. hey, just one, one, I have one question about Cruella Deville. Did she somehow become a gay icon? Did, uh, did I, I miss
0: something in the culture? I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if you... If you go back and watch and look at the way she is drawn, elements of that would speak to certain elements of the gay culture, would be my guess. I feel like the gay culture... And not that there's anything wrong with that. Huh? I feel like the gay
1: culture adopted Cruella Deville as one of its icons, and it's
0: awesome. well. She wears this huge <laughs> fur coat, and she's really skinny. And despite the fact that we all know she's a woman, she's drawn kind of androgynous. Part of it is she's very fashionable. Yeah, she is. That's I mean, why she wants
1: the dog. But what is the um? Oh, she isn't really Cruella Deville and, and the Devil in High Heels kind of the same chick.
0: Uh, probably.
1: The, you, you know what movie I'm talking about? Oh no, so sorry, not the Devil in High. People who no, know. You the think never wears Prada? <laughs> I am thinking of the Devil Wears Prada, so like the, and yes, the, the, they're the, the pretty village... much the same. Okay, and I think that's all that needs to be said about Corella Deville. You know, you want to know all you need to know about Corella Deville is the Devil Wears Prada, and which would explain Mr. Burns the... did a better version. <laughs> we don't have the time, and I, now I want to
0: sing the song. Here's my vest. Gee, my hat was this cat. I love that. Uh, I, I do. I, that's one of my favorite Simpsons episodes. But okay, we're gonna move on into. <laughs> well, we're going to skip Shere Khan from the Jungle Book because he's he falls into the same thing for my money as the Red Queen. He's just kind of the final boss because Mowgli also is opposed by King Louie and the monkey, the wolves, and Bagheera, who wants to turn him into a real person, and he's a petulant child, and blah, blah, blah. I, was, I sang the bare
1: Necessities in a Disney, Disney medley in high school. That's my concept. I do love that song. That's that's an
0: awesome But that's moving it. on. Let's get to Robin Hood, because you have they're all animals and like I said, I, I mentioned this off air, but I rewatched that movie not too long ago while I'm in the midst of rereading all of the Redwall series books. And that makes rooting for a fox hard. And it makes the idea that you can just chain up a badger outright ludicrous. <laughs> and anyone who's read those books will get my ref um, but okay, so you want to talk about this one. This is actually, I think, one of the a very good adaptation of the Robin Hood story just at its core. I mean before we get into you know the the you know the merits and whatnot, it just as far as just basic Robin Hood stories goes, it's very good. Um Prince John
1: this is another kind of Corella DeVille thing for me. I think I have I have a little bit more to say about the Sheriff of Nottingham, but essentially my my only comment about Prince John is um uh, as Corella Deville is the um character from a Devil the Devil Wears Prada, um uh Robert Lewis, the the Jewish comedian who wore black and held his head a lot. Can't help you. Know who I'm talking about? He was on a sitcom. He always had a mullet. He was very Jewish. I I really have no he, idea who you to. He was in one of those Snicker commercials where, uh, uh, Lewis you know, it's a celebrity at first, and then no, it's not Lewis Black. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna look this up in just a second, but uh, if you okay, you might know he he was Prince John and Robin Hood, men in tight.
0: Oh, okay. I I still don't know who you're talking about, but I know, but I, I recognize that role.
1: I know I can kind of okay. picture him now. So, They're literally the same character. I, I, when, you know, the only thing that needs to be said about Prince John is, you know, is he's a faker in, the, you know, faker to the crown. Um, he ha, he possesses absolutely The entire no Second Crusade
0: of the was the idea of his snake. Third,
1: the, character <laughs> was the Third
0: Crusade. <laughs> that,
1: um, he, a pretender to the throne. That's the phrase. He's just a pretender to the throne. He's an absolute coward. He has no leadership abilities. He is completely standing on the shoulders of the Sheriff of Nottingham and those who are um, obeying him uh, because he's uh the divine leader, but nothing more. He, he inspires nobody, and without the Sheriff of Nottingham, he is absolutely um, – it is the Sheriff of Nottingham who was the real threat in this thing. Um, he's the one that that goes after Robin Hood. He's the one that is, you know, collecting the taxes collecting and robbing taxes. people blind. Yeah, no one likes <laughs> but, you, the but, tax I, but Well, I mean, I think the taxes are absorbent is the issue here. Is that he's just they they, they are um, indenturing the entire uh, working class community of that of that era with, uh, you know, and it's just it's just greed. It's just out and out greed. Um, It's kind of really all. I, have to. I mean, I love. It. It's been a while since I've watched it, but uh, it
0: streams on. You know, Netflix, like I said, when I rewatched.
1: yeah, it's one of those I got to sit down with my daughter and watch. She's never seen it, Um, and my wife won't let her watch The Fox and the Hound for some odd reason because she hates it. That's the reason. But um, yeah, I mean, I love the I love the movie. I love the songs. Uh, The, the Sheriff of Nottingham for me is the real villain in the thing, and I, I kind of that's really all I have to say about him.
0: Well, I agree, and it's it's kind of, it's almost sad because you there's a degree of sympathy for the. Sheriff of Nottingham character in that he's just doing his job, maybe, and then you just kind well, of realize that no, he's just kind of a fat slob who no one likes. Well, he's he relishes in hurting.
1: You know, he's not completely oblivious to the effects that the overtaxation is having on on the workers. He just doesn't care. Yeah. And then it becomes and then it becomes a crusade to kill Robin Hood.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, you you're right about Prince John. He's just a kid throwing a temper tantrum half the time and. It's mildly amusing. On fire. he has no men. Funny. The sheriff does have a prince. You know Prince John is never going to do in Robin Hood. The sheriff actually might.
1: <laughs> um, I'm looking up the cast now for Robin Hood Men in Tights. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Richard Lewis, Robert Lewis. It's Richard Lewis who I was talking about. Okay. Do You still have no idea what I'm talking about.
0: Not Everybody really
1: gonna, I'm going to fa- I'm going to bomb your Facebook
0: page with Richard Lewis clips. If you feel the need to, I certainly can't stop you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. right. We do want. And okay, my. Let me say, I was never a big fan of *Sword in the Stone*, and there's a very simple reason for that. I watched it when I was too young to really get it, and then when I was 13, I read *The Once and Future King*. So the the Disney version doesn't hold up as much water as it as maybe if I hadn't. <laughs> You know, again, read the definitive Arthurian work when I was too young to really understand.
1: I could see why you would be dismissive of the Disney-fied version of that story. Um, that's
0: the weird thing. You know, I
1: said, let's talk about Mad Madam Mim because she's awesome. My wife and I were actually, when I, I was telling her about this podcast, I'm like, hey, I'm going to be doing two weeks of uh podcast with with Robert. And we're going to be talking Disney villains, you know, you know kind of maybe thinks she might want to listen in or, you know, or – uh tribute in some way and she was like have oh, fun i'm gonna go to bed early yeah You yeah. know, and as usual she said have fun i'm going to bed early then <laughs> there you go but uh i told her i'm like yeah you know he's this is the ones he wanted to talk about and i said but we can't but you gotta throw in there mad Madam mim and immediately she shoots back he's like she's like here are the rules <laughs> oh, only like <laughs> no no but they were like, like don't- don't- yeah, no vegetable or mineral, only animals. And she's like, and no made of stuff like pink dragons or something. <laughs> Dude, her whole no delivery. delivery during, yeah, no going invisible.
0: <laughs> her whole delivery during that, you know, like she immediately sets up these rules and then cheats. Like, oh, in, yeah. In, and, in, which, in, of course, is Merlin's lone contribution to the rule. Rule four, no cheating. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, then, and,
1: and like a nagging wife, she's just like, blah, all right, all right, all right. Don't bother me. You know? yeah. And then she, and then he turns his back, and she turns invisible. <laughs>
0: like, yep.
1: All, only other. She, she's one of those I've great, just
0: kind of charlatan characters. And then she turns yeah, into the pink dragon. <laughs> right. At which point, I think he turns into chicken pox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. He turns into the measles or something <laughs> to beat her. The real villain which, in
1: this thing is is Merlin. Is, not Merlin is um, Arthur's father, his stepfather rather. He's you know him and, and the asshole son. They're the real villains of the Sword and the Stone. Mad Madam Mim is just kind of there. She's an obstacle, and it isn't awesome. really awesome. She's an awesome obstacle. Okay. No, that, that, that's the thing. Like that's why I wanted to talk about her. She's probably the most fun of, of the classic villains uh, in Disney. She's probably the most fun because the Red Queen's not fun. She's 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 retarded. Oh, yeah. um, Mad Mad Madam Mim is perfectly in control of what she is doing she's terrible but she's awesome at it i mean i i legitimately enjoy the wizard duel and the only other wizards duel i've ever enjoyed in fiction is dr doom and mr fantastic fighting through time with the occasional you know jive from uh uh the thing saying you two take what normal people say in five words and make it into a paragraph
0: <laughs> okay yeah. Yeah, I I agree. She's just, you know, it, and it's nice to have those fun villains, and she is absolutely probably the standout of that whole. Is I, you know, again, I would say she makes them. the rest of yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, is without without the wizards duel and Mad Madam Mim, that movie is not just forgettable; it's just exponentially worse. Well,
1: here's the thing, and I swear to God, I'm not going to go on a huge rant about this, but it's it's an hour of a child being, and it isn't until he pulls the sword out of the stone that anyone gives him any credit, and even and even the stepbrother is like, fuck him. <laughs> you know, I did you know, well, it. Well, well, not even that I did it. It was just kind of like so he pulled the sword in the stone. He's st- he's st- he stole a shrimp. Fuck that kid. And it's like and his father has to be like, no, no, he's kind of the king now. You you you've got to pay respect. <laughs> you get dumbass. Does go. <laughs> you
0: know, I don't um, wish to admit this, but uh, yeah, he is kind of the king now. No, he's a little wart there. Like the father like smacks him on the back of the head. You dumbass. He's king now. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. We're gonna be
1: excommunicated.
0: Um, or canonized. <laughs> yeah. right. Um, but
1: no, I, I, they're the real villains of this movie. And the, the thing of it is, you take out the Mad Madam Mim stuff, and it's just a kid being abused for an hour. You know, pretty much. <laughs> and the only and the only other thing that I can recall that he kind of goes through that doesn't directly have to do with him being abused is when he turns in, when when him and Merlin turn into a, turn into squirrels. And the girl squirrel falls in love with him, and he has to break her heart. And it's like, well, this is kind of cruel. You know? It,
0: it, that did suck. I. That's one of those little I thought back I like, I wonder what happened to that squirrel.
1: <laughs> well, she's a squirrel. I'm sure she forgot about it shortly after. She died a week later.
0: <laughs> Archimedes <laughs> went back and ate her. She's <laughs> an owl. Um, You remember the owl from The Secret of Nym?
1: What a creepy character she was.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, God. I love that owl. I, I think they had Nick Murphy voice him, too, off the top of my head, but I could be wrong. I... I tried to get um, Lily to watch
1: *The Secret of Nim*. She wasn't. Uh, she wasn't doing it. It'll, and it'll be a long time before I play the last unicorn for her because that movie still scares me to death. The, the fucking skeleton yelling, <laughs> "Harold, unicorn!
0: It's a unicorn!"
1: Still, if you want something I,
0: kind of in the middle oh, there, you might try uh, *The Brave Little Toaster*, which was one of my all-time favorites. I have never seen it. I will have to give that a shot. See if you can find it. I anybody out there hasn't seen it. I I very much enjoy that, and doesn't have a bad guy. It has several of them, but I can't put it on here because there's no like centralized villain. But I very much enjoy that. Brief shout out. All right. Um, I don't want to talk about the Black Cauldron because I read the books and you screwed with the source material. Shame on you, Disney.
1: I don't even remember it. I know I've seen it. Uh, I don't. Remember.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you've never. Uh, I'd say read The Chronicles of Predain, that it's loosely, and I stress loosely, based on, because I grew up with those stories, and they're pretty awesome, but I don't want to talk much about the movie. And The only other one I want to talk about that I want to make sure gets on here is I want to talk about Vincent Price chewing scenery as Professor Radigan in the best way possible, from The Great Mouse Detective. Be my guest. Yeah, I got nothing. I'm actually going uh, it on does- Netflix now to... To add the great Mouse Detective to the queue. It's dreams. Okay, great. But yeah, my brother, my immediately younger brother. I'm the oldest of four. uh, When we were growing up, was a huge loved that movie. What we want used to watch it, and first of all, I, I will put that movie as a Sherlock Holmes movie up against a lot of other adaptations, and it holds up very well just as a Sherlock Holmes, and a big part of that, and one of the things I love about that movie is you've got Vincent Price doing the voice work for Professor Radigan, who is Professor Moriarty as a rat, and he's such... He is He goes through all these lengths the character does to not be a rat. He doesn't like being reminded that he's a rat. he is in denial about his rat and he kills you if you call him a rat. in fact, that's one of the early sequences in this movie. They're singing a song to him. One of the characters is drunk, and he calls rat again a rat, and everybody freaks. He grabs this poor, dumb mouse, throws him out of the room, rings a bell, summons this huge obese cat that eats people who he tells them who he tells you them to eat and it, so you know. You don't mess with Rathigan, and he almost succeeds in his plan, which is the other thing that makes him a great... You know, again, a lot of villains, their plans never come close to fruition. He gets close. He gets really close. And then the final sequence when he chases Basil through the clockworks of Big Ben, and he becomes a rat. He he beco- he goes from being this, you know, very kind of laid-back in some ways you know, intellectual professor to the feral beast who wants to rip your throat out. And I, I just... I. I have nothing but good things to say about Vin and it, you, know, you mentioned, it's been mentioned on The Long Road to Ruin more than once, that you can choose scenery in a good way, and I don't know how they did it, how Vincent Price manages to do it in a voice role, but he does, and it's awesome. And if anyone hasn't seen it, I also have to bring up, there's I believe there's someone on YouTube who has cobbled together the clips of every Disney villain and they each have their own like 10 minute video. That's just their scenes back to back to back to back. So if you haven't, if you just want to get an abbreviated version of this is why we don't like, or why we like a bad guy, go check them out on uh, YouTube. And I, I'll find out who it is so I can plug them properly for next, but again, Vincent um, Price off.
1: Awesome. I know you want, you want to go. I haven't even looked at how much time we have left. Um, so yeah, I don't know how long you you set the show for. So if we're running close on uh, being cut off, uh, just let me know. But I did um, we didn't put it in the master list because there really isn't a villain as such. But I did want to talk a little bit about Dumbo. Oh, uh, go ahead. Um, Dumbo is one of those movies where life is the villain. When you you, when <laughs> yeah. you think about <laughs> when you think about this character, uh, I think one of the days where. I was putting away laundry and I kind of, this was when Lily was a little closer to one than two. Um, You know, I don't remember exactly when we did this, but it was one of these deals where I had a lot of stuff to do in the house and I needed her to like sit still and not get into everything because I was trying to clean the house and do laundry and stuff. So it was, so this is sort of the brilliant thing of Netflix is you can put it on and, you know, entertain your kid for hours with a bunch of freedom. So, Um, she had watched all these Disney princess movies, and I was like, okay, time to change it up a bit. And I put on the Aristocats for her, and she could not care less.
0: Oh. Um, she's just she You're, had the, the, about the same reaction she had the, about the same reaction everyone else does that that movie is remembered because Be a Cat is a pretty awesome song yeah that I would say the music is about the only thing people remember about that movie i would um, say that, I'd say one song, and then the fact that the butler does a little dance of glee wearing his socks with hold I hate that movie I really really <laughs> hate that movie uh,
1: well, she was not impressed either, so you share a kinship with my daughter there uh she also was not a huge fan of the rescuers, but um. She, I that one for her. you need to be a
0: bit older for, I think. The the first Rescuers, it's not aimed at kids, I think, so much as it is, you know, more pre-teens as opposed to actual kids. Unlike the second one, Rescuers Down Under, I, yeah. I hold in very high esteem, and uh, George C. Scott as the villain helps a lot with that. But next week, um, so yeah, she. But uh, in this, the
1: same day that we tried the Aristocats and that was big fail, I put on Dumbo for her, and at first she was like, man, I don't know about this. But um she was kind of on the fence about it until the scene where uh Dumbo uh gets the visit with the mother. And this is the this is the maudlin, sad, absolutely tear jerking scene that they throw into every clip show. It is the one other than maybe um when I seen an elephant fly, another song I sang in high school. Um you might be getting now a theme about me about the, about my my things that I did in high school and the kind of uh, character I was. Um, you know, bare necessities. Uh, when I've seen an elephant fly in Oz, but uh, you know, it is. She was like I said on the fence about it until uh, yeah. This is the one that they play in every like, clip show. You know, whenever it was like, yeah. here's clips from famous Disney movies. Fuck the rest of Dumbo. <laughs> this is yeah, all We, we don't need the rest about. of Dumbo.
0: We need him being pulled away, holding his mother's trunk, crying because his mother tried to defend him, and she's now a crazy elephant. Right.
1: So there's a scene where all there is is the mother's trunk, and she's cradling Dumbo, and you're – Get inside if you don't ball during that scene. And I remember, I remember Lily was just like I said, just kind of like eh, I don't know about this movie. Sees that, just falls on my lap crying. She's like, "Dude, Dumbo's sad." I'm like, "He certainly is."
0: At well, least he didn't try so, Bambi. <laughs> I, I don't think re- I'm allowed to play that. Dumbo gets reunited with his mother at the end of that, if I'm not mistaken, uh, yes, eventually Dumbo
1: is Dumbo becomes the hero, and he. Uh, you know he gets revenge on the uh, on the circus, and he gets his and gets his mother free, and they are reunited, and he is accepted. You know, as Bambi's I mother but, gets
0: shot. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Um, Bambi's I'm just, my, my point there being: the if, you, if you wish to bum out your kid, Dumbo has a happy ending. <laughs> Bambi, his mom doesn't come back. I wasn't trying to bum her out. Dumbo's I know you were not I know you weren't. I, I know you weren't. That's just for all the people out there who wish to bum out children. Bambi. <laughs> I no, fox the fox I think the
1: fox and the hound's pretty depressing too, um, from what I've yeah, been
0: told. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Even though I very much it's enjoy it. it. It's, it's,
1: a, it's, a, it's not a movie I've seen recently, so I don't remember elements of it. I, I remember I liked it as a kid. But I just wanted to say about Dumbo. This is one of those movies where, you know, unlike Alice in Wonderland, which feels more like a video game and she's just got bosses she has to defeat, you know, Dumbo is more or less. Uh, an alienated child trying to figure out where he fits in life, and it's like, well, you only fit in as a laughing stock, as a freak, and that's kind of something he has to overcome. Um, so there's no villain in. I mean, you could say like the circus is the villain, but you know the other the other bitch elephants, you know, who make
0: fun of him. Uh, you you of can villain. say it, but you're right. They're not villains. They're just people reacting to a circumstance. Right. It's More how they fall in. and. Dumbo's series of bad guys are series of you know it's difficulties that you overcome when dealing with life. Right, and I think I think the lesson we learned from
1: Dumbo is go make friends with a gang of black guys who will you know who will convince you <laughs> that who will con- that you know that if you learn magic you'll be able to do wonderful things. They gave they gave him the magic feather.
0: Yes, they did. And the <laughs> Indians and Peter Pan explained why the red man was red. That's right. I love that song. Why wow, it does it's so racist? Why does the Redman say
1: how? The best yeah, part about that scene. The best part of that scene is little Mike. Is I, think I think it's little Michael who says, "Me injured, no sleep for days, you just fine."
0: Oh, ethnic jokes. Well, and then you've got the other thing I wish to say. One of my dis. I think part of my dislike for the Beatles might have come from the vultures in Jungle Book. <laughs> I can
1: go along with that.
0: You know which one we haven't talked about
1: because it's racist. Yeah and it's awesome and i don't have, and that's all i have to say about that is the song of the sound zipity oh, doo da
0: yay a Brer rabbit My i am- love Brer rabbit Brer rabbit the tar baby uh, uh, Yeah, fucking. that whole thing <laughs> that's one of those that you look back and you go man i wish we could not be so politically correct in some ways <laughs> you told you look at that and go oh to be able to get away with that today <laughs> they respected me for it <laughs> I just made that reference the other day. I know. That's why I brought it up. People <laughs> have no idea what I'm talking about. going, what is he laughing about? Family uh,
1: guy. It's a, just deal with it. it there,
0: yeah, family guy. That's really all that needs to be said there. Um, all right. That's going to kind of wrap up because I don't feel compelled to talk a- at all about the evil loan shark from Oliver and Company. And there are no uh, villains in Winnie's. No, there aren't. God loves <laughs> you. No, the, only, the villain.
1: The villain in Winnie the Pooh is wind.
0: There's you know, the wind, there's the rain. Tigger's kind of a jackass at times, but, you know, what are you going to do? Well, it's Peter Pan with a spring in his ass. That's kind of Tigger for you. Yeah, yeah. And Rue, who apparently is a former TNA World Heavyweight Champion. Shout out to Matthew. <laughs> Dude, it's Except Bobby Rue, no right? Ah. <laughs> You've never seen that that thing from Botchamania? No. If you I listen don't. to Jeremy Borash, whenever he announces Bobby Rude, he never does the duh at the end. It's just Bobby Roo. And is there a Bacha Mania where they flash through
1: a shot of Roo?
0: Yes. Various Roo's. Oh. in fact. There's not just Little Roo. There's like there's a video game boss that's Roo and just a bunch of
1: Do you remember the old show Kangaroo? First of all it was a video game. There was a there was a period of time, Saturday morning cartoons where like half the cartoons were based on video games. Kubert had one. There was um kangaroo and the last part of the the theme song of that show was bingo bango
0: bongo we're all characters in the show kangaroo remember that the boxing kangaroo i think you're a bit before my time there i was born in 1985 mr t had his own cartoon i that i was aware of mc hammer had his own cartoon too we want to get into that okay that one i was not aware i don't think it lasted but he had one
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna find an old clip of the kangaroo show from from uh all right the video game and the uh, the cartoon.
0: Uh, anything you want to plug since we're wrapping up here? Um, I found it. Bingo, bango, bongo,
1: kangaroo. It's amazing that I still have that. 1982, that's when that came out for the Atari. Before I was born. <laughs> I, I was six. Yeah, I was six years old.
0: You could appreciate I'm old. You're old enough to watch the Saturday morning cartoons. Yes, I'm old enough to remember when cartoons were on Saturdays. Now I don't know what they were.
1: Um Yeah, but really just go to the Rattling Broadcasting Network. I do apparently a thousand podcasts. My wife never sees me anymore. We at, we went out for dinner tonight, and I literally said to her when we got home, well, I'm going over to my apartment, have a good night. And she just looked at me like, I wish that were a joke. <laughs> so, um, no, But seriously, folks, Um and Broadcasting Network recently, um, because I, I, cause I, damn it, I had something to say and I would be heard. We did an in Defense of Ultimate Warrior podcast with myself, Pat Mullen, and Gavin Napier. It was a lot of fun, you know, putting proper context to the Ultimate Warrior's sordid history. Long Road to Ruin uh, came back for the three back-to-back episodes. Uh, first part was Die Hard Part, excuse me, Part 1, where we talked about uh, Die Hard, Die Hard 2, and then Die Hard with a Vengeance, uh, where I quoted you, Robert Winfrey, you know, in the old short, Road to Ruin, followed by a steep fall, off or off, or, uh, followed by a long fall over a steep cliff. Um, uh, you can also check out the draft on the Casual Heroes podcast and hear, my, and, and, and hear me take an entire podcast into the ditch when I announce that my main babyface is the Ultimate Warrior, thus my defense of him. Um, you can also check out the 401 Ground to Pound radio show every Sunday night at 9 o'clock. We'll be reviewing the greatest fight in the history of the UFC, Mark Hunt versus Bigfoot Silva. Everyone knows what I'm talking about there. And I will be doing coverage. And to Sam Arkady and Jeremy Lambert, you're not listening to this, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to say it anyway. I'm willing to post. If you guys will do live commentary for the entire fight on a Google Hangout, which will live broadcast, and there is no time limit like there is on Blog Talk Radio. I will put it in the coverage thread so people can listen to you do it while uh, while reading my coverage and commenting on the fight. I will do that for you. I support you too. I love you, Jeremy Lambert, and Say. Samer- well, I love Say Mirkati. I I'm I know I like I only like you as a friend, Jeremy Lambert. But I love you, Say Mercati, and I will support this <laughs> endeavor live <laughs> live commentary. Fuck. Bill, uh, Bill Goldberg, no. Fuck Mike Goldberg, <laughs> fuck Joe Rogan. Listen it's to actually Samitotti John Anik and, and Jeremy Lambert. Lambert. I don't care. They're all the same person. Um, <laughs> listen to <laughs> Sam and Jeremy Lambert. Exactly. Do live commentary of Mark Hunt versus Bigfoot Silva the entire show Saturday night that I am doing live coverage for starting, I believe, at 6 o'clock.
0: Hey, I'll listen. And I, I will it. watch it, and I will... I will block out uh, John Annick and Kenny Florian as if, uh, I wish I could from life, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> and I will. I would rather listen to Samer and Jeremy, and Jeremy will make a thousand Taylor Swift jokes, and Samer will try to make things re- – and, and Samer will try to talk about the action. I don't know if either one of them will talk about the
1: action. I have to be honest. The last Their last two podcasts was 90% everything but the UFC and 10% the UFC.
0: True. Which was All fine. Right, if, oh, yeah. I mean, it's their podcast. If they want to do that, good on them. God bless them. Uh, it was an entertaining listen as far as I was concerned.
1: But like I said, I am a team player, and I am here for you guys. The Radovich and
0: Broadcasting Network, you know, we we, uh, we support. All right. Uh, for me, Locked in the Guillotine will be live tomorrow, where I review the Ultimate Finale 18, which is about ten too many seasons of The Ultimate Fighter. I will also break down uh, UFC Fight Night 33, I believe it is, Mark Hunt versus Bigfoot Silva, which I'm only half joking and I'm very and I'm half very serious when I say it's a card of the year candidate on paper. Uh, Mark will have coverage. You can hear me every Sunday evening on the 411 Ground and Pound radio show. I will be back this week and we will be having fun talking about Mark Hunt and Bigfoot Silva gassing after 2 minutes and going the full 5 rounds.
1: They talked about on the uh, man cave that if uh, Bigfoot Silva takes down Mark Hunt, this may go the same way as Bigfoot Silva and if it does, I won't be around on Sunday. I'll be at the Crisis Stabilization Unit after having cut my arm up.
0: I will uh, be prepared to host in your absence, sir. (laughs) Just just leave me a note if you're going to do that.
1: (laughs) Dear Robert, I'm presently cutting my arm. Tell my children I love them. Goodbye.
0: (laughs) Something like that, yeah. All
1: right. uh, That's
0: going to wrap. P.S., make sure you post the show. I will. I will, and I... (laughs) we'll do a better job than the last couple of times of making sure it gets up to the site and everything. Um we will be back next week and I will make sure and schedule this thing for like 2 hours next week and if we use less time than that then so be it. When we talk about the golden age of Disney baddies which and some we'll probably cover a fair number of the uh, CGI ones as well depending on how time we don't talk about
1: I'm not if we don't talk about Rapunzel, I'm not showing up. You mean Tangled? That's the one.
0: Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we'll be do- we'll be doing a bunch of the animated, uh, the CGI ones as well. Non Pixar. There will be no Pixar next week. Is the only caveat. But starting with Little Mermaid through I haven't seen Frozen yet, but theoretically through Frozen would be is the time frame we're covering next week. Mark, I'll see you then, and I'll see you on Sunday, and I might even annoy you during coverage because, hey, why not? Uh, Always (laughs) great to have you on the show, and I do look forward to next week with you as well. Uh, We're going to go out with, again, Tony Montana because I like it as an exit for the show. Uh, I'll see you guys next week. So say
1: goodnight to the bad guys.